Assalamu alaikum rahmatullahi ta'ala wa Welcome to the 11th episode of Chronicles of the Crescent. In this series, I tell stories drawn from across the Islamic world. It's really important to me that the center-periphery distinction, this idea that some places are more Islamic than others, be eradicated. It does not make sense. The vernacular everywhere is a chance to express devotion, submission to Allah Ta'ala. There are common themes that run between stories, but even something that has local language and local metaphors or symbols still can relate to Allah in the most powerful of ways. It's still an Islamic story, still a story from the Islamic age. It's for that reason that I try not to just tell stories from Persia or, you know, stories that are in Arabic, but stories that come from the wider Muslim world. Today's story is extremely famous, but it's quite possible that you've never heard of it before. It's from the epic of Sandiata, the Lion of Mali. Sandiata was the founder of the Empire of Mali, who died in the year 1255. The Empire of Mali was one of the greatest and most powerful Muslim empires in our history. If you haven't heard of it, please look it up. Sundiata is often known because of his great nephew, Mansa Musa, who was probably the richest and most generous man the world has ever seen. He went on a trip to the Hajj. And during his journey, he gave so much wealth that for years there was inflation regarding gold because he gave so much gold out. It just changed the economy of the world at the time. It was incredible, subhanAllah al-Adeem. So this epic of Sundiata is an old griot's tale. It's an oral history and story often told in a more poetic form. I'm using uh, a version that is by... Jibril uh, Tamsir Nian. He recorded this from Agriot, and it was translated from the French recording that he ended up doing into English by Jide Pickett. Uh, I'm going to tell a little bit from the beginning of the story, and then I'm going to look at the very beginning, and then I'm going to shift to just one small passage. It's a long epic, so I can't tell that much, just to give a taste, a flavor. So now for the voice of the Griot. Of the Griot. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. It is I, Jeli Mamadou Koyot, son of Binto Koyot and Jeli Kedian Koyot, master in the art of eloquence. Since time memorial, the Koyots have been in the service of the Keta princes of Mali. We are vessels of speech. We are the repositories which harbor secrets many centuries old. The art of eloquence has no secrets for us. Without us, the names of kings would vanish into oblivion. We are the memory of mankind. By the spoken word, we bring to life the deeds and exploits of kings for younger generations. I teach kings the history of their ancestors so that the lives of the ancients might serve them as an example. For the world is old, but the future springs from the past. My word is pure and free of all untruth. It is the word of my father. It is the word of my father's father. I will give you my father's words just as I received them. Royal Griot's do not know what lying is. When a quarrel breaks out between tribes, it is we who settle the difference. For we are the depositories of oaths which the ancestors swore. Listen to my word, 
you who want to know. By my mouth, you will learn the history of Mali. By my mouth, you will get to know the story of the ancestor of great Mali, the story of him who by his exploits surpassed even Alexander the Great, he who from the East shed his rays upon all the countries of the West. Listen to the story of the son of the buffalo, the son of the lion. I am going to tell you of Magan Sandiata, of Marijata, of Sogolanjata, of Nardmaganjata, the man of many names against whom sorcery could avail nothing. Listen then, sons of Mali, children of the Sudan. Listen to my word, for I am going to tell you of Sundiata, the father of the bright country, of the savannah land, the ancestor of those who draw the bow, the master of a hundred vanquished queen, kings. I am going to talk of Sundiata, Manding Diara, the lion of Mali, the hero of many names. I am going to tell you of Sundiata, he whose exploits will astonish men for a long time yet. He was a great... He was great among kings, he was peerless among men, he was beloved of God because he was the last of the great conquerors. Right at the beginning then, Mali was a province of the Bambara kings. Those who are today called Mandingo, inhabitants of Mali, are not indigenous. They come from the east. Bilali Bonama, ancestor of the Ketas, was the faithful servant of the Prophet Muhammad Bilali Bonama, the companion Bilal, had seven sons, of whom the eldest, Lawalo, left the holy city and came to settle in Mali. Lawalo had Latal Kalabi for a son. Latal Kalabi had Damul Kalabi, who then had Lahitul Kalabi. Lahitul Kalabi was the first black prince to make the pilgrimage to Mecca. On his return, he was robbed by brigands in the desert. His men were scattered and some died of thirst, but God saved Lahilatul Kalabi. For he was a righteous man. He called upon the Almighty and Jinn appeared and recognized him as king. After seven years absence, he was able to return by the grace of Allah the Almighty to Mali where none expected to see him anymore. Lahitul Kalabi had two sons, the elder being Kalabi Bomba and the younger Kalabi Dauman. The elder chose royal power and reigned while the younger preferred fortune and wealth and became the ancestors of those who go country to country seeking their fortune, trading. It is from this line that Sandiata arises. And now I'm going to skip ahead to after Sandiata is just, just when he's about to be born. Uh, the king of Mali, Sandiata's father, was told in the prophecy that he would have to marry an extremely ugly woman and that from her lineage, he would have this great, powerful king. God has mysteries which none can fathom. You, perhaps, will be a king. You can do nothing about it. You, on the other hand, will be unlucky, but you can do nothing about that either. Each man finds his way already marked out for him, and he can change nothing of it. Sogulon's son had a slow and difficult childhood. At the age of three, he still crawled along on all fours, while children of the same age were already walking. He had none of the beauty of his father, the king. He had a head so big that his body seemed unable to support it. His large eyes would open wide whenever anyone came into his mother's home. He was taciturn and used to spend the whole day just sitting in the middle of the house. Whenever his mother went out, he would crawl on all fours to rummage about in the calabashes in search of food, for he was very greedy. Malicious tongues began to blab. What three-year-old has not yet taken his first steps? 
What three-year-old is not the despair of his parents through his whims and shifts of mood? What three-year-old is not the joy of his circle through his backwardness and talking? Sogulonjata, for that is what they called Sandiata at that time, affixing his mother name to him. Sogulonjata was different from the others of his age. He spoke little, and his severe face never relaxed into a smile. You would have thought he was already thinking. What amused children of his age bored him. Often, Sogulon would make some of those other kids come to give him company. They were already walking, and she hoped that Jata, seeing his companions walking, would want to walk too. But nothing came of it. Sogulon would brain the poor little things with his already strong arms, and then they wouldn't come again. The king's first wife, Sosoma, was the first to rejoice at Sogulon Jata's infirmity. Her own son, Dankaran Toman, was already eleven. He was a fine and lively boy who spent the day rummaging about the village with those of his own age. The king had made a bow for him, and he used to go behind the town to practice his archery with his companions. Sosoma was quite happy and snapped her fingers at Sogolon, whose child was still crawling on the ground. Whenever the latter happened to pass by her house, she would say, Come, my son, walk, jump, leap about. The jinn didn't promise you anything out of the ordinary, but I prefer a son who walks on his legs to a lion that crawls on the ground. She spoke thus whenever Sogolon went by her door. She would go home and burst into laughter, the diabolical laughter of someone jealous and who knows how to manipulate. Her son's infirmity weighed heavily on Songolon. She had restored to all her talent a sorceress to give strength to her son's legs, but the rarest of herbs had been useless. The king himself lost hope. After a time, the king passed away. She had other children, girls, but the only son that Sogolon born was Sogolon Jata. And still, Sogolon Jata, as the years went by, was crawling on all fours. He was not walking. The son of the first wife became king when the king himself died shortly afterwards. Sogolon Jata's son was no more than seven at the time. Sosoma, the first wife, ruled. She controlled power during the time. As men have short memories, Sogolon's son was spoken of with nothing but irony and scorn. People had seen one-eyed kings, one-armed kings, and lame kings, but a stiff-legged king had never been heard of. No matter how great the destiny promised for Marijata might be, the throne could not give, be given to someone who had no power in his legs. If the jinn loved him, let them begin by giving him the use of his legs. Such were the remarks that his mother, Sogolon, heard every day. The queen mother, Sosoma, was the source of all the gossip. Having become all-powerful, Sosoma persecuted Sogolon because the late king had preferred her. She banished Sogolon and her son to a backyard of the palace. Jata's mother now occupied an old hut which had served as a lumber chamber for Sosoma. The wicked queen mother allowed free passage to all those who wanted to see the child that still crawled at the age of seven. Nearly all the inhabitants of Niani had filed into the palace, and poor Sogolon wept to herself, being given over to public ridicule like, like this. Jata took on a ferocious look in front of the crowd of sightseers. Sogolon found only little consolation in the love of her eldest daughter, Kolonkan. She was four and she could walk. 
She seems to understand all her mother's miseries, and she already helped with the housework. Sometimes when Sogolan was attending to the chores, it was she who stayed behind her sister, Jamora, quite small as yet. One day, Sogolan came to the queen mother and asked for a little baobab leaf to eat. Look at you, the malicious Sosoma said. I have a calabashful. Help yourself, poor woman. As for me, my son knew how to walk at seven, and it was he who went and picked the baobab leaves and gave them to me. Take them, since your son is unequal to mine. She laughed derisively with the fierce laughter that cuts through your flesh and penetrates right to the bone. Sogulun was dumbfounded. She never thought that hate could be so strong in someone else. With a lump in her throat, she left. She couldn't contain herself any longer. She burst into tears upon seeing her son with his useless legs. O son of misfortune, will you never walk? Through your fault, I have just suffered the greatest affront of my life. What have I done, God, for you to punish me this way? Jata asked, Mother, what's the matter? She said, Be quiet, shut up, nothing can wash me of this insult. But what then, Mother? Tsoma humiliated me over a matter of Baoba belief. At your age, her son could walk and used to bring his mother leaves. Cheer up, Mother, cheer up. No, it's too much, I can't. Very well then, Jata said, I'm going to walk today. Go to my father's smiths to make the heaviest possible iron rod. Mother, do you just want the leaves of the baobab, or would you rather that I bring you the whole tree? Ah, my son, I'd wipe out this insult with the whole tree. I want its roots at my feet. Bala Fasad, who was present, ran to the master smith and ordered an iron rod. Sogolan sat in front of her hut, and she was weeping. Jata went calmly to his kalabash of rice and began eating as if nothing had happened. He would look again, time and again, discreetly at his mother, who was murmuring in a low, a low voice, I want the whole tree in front of my hut, the whole tree. A burst of laughter came behind the hut. The wicked Sosoma was telling one of her servants about the scene of humiliation, and she was laughing so loudly that Sogolon could hear. Sogolon fled into the hut, but hid her face under blankets so as not to have before her eyes the heedless boy, who was more preoccupied with eating than with anything else. When her daughter came and asked, Mother, don't cry, why are you crying? Jatha had finished eating and dragged himself along on his legs, and he sat under the wall, but the sun was scorching. What was he thinking about? He alone knew. The smith came with an iron rod. The great day, he said, has arrived then. Yes, today is like any other, but it will be something that no one has seen that shall happen today. The master of the forges was the son of old Nornfairi, and he was a soothsayer like his father. In his workshop, there was an old iron, enormous iron bar built by his father. Everyone had wondered what this bar was for. The smith called six of his apprentices and told them to carry the iron bar to Sogolon's house. When the smiths put the gigantic bar down in front of the house, the noise was so frightening of it dropping that it frightened Sogolon, who'd been, who'd been lying down. She jumped up with a start. Then Balafaseke, son of, uh, th then Balafaseke said, here's a great day, Jata. I'm speaking to you, Magan, son of Sogolon. The waters of Niger can efface the stain from your body, but they cannot wipe out an insult. Arise, young lion, roar, and may the bush know that from henceforth it has a master. The apprentice smiths were there. Sogolon had come out, and everyone was watching Marijata. 
he crept on all fours and came to the iron bar. Supporting himself on his knees and on one hand with the other, he picked up the iron bar without any effort and stood it up vertically. Now he was resting as nothing, but his knees held the bar with both his hands. A deathly science had gripped all those present. Jutta closed his eyes, held tight, the muscles in his arms tensed. With a violent jerk, he threw his weight onto it, and his knees left the ground. Sogulon was all eyes. She watched her son's legs, which were trembling, as though from an electric shock. Jatta was sweating, and the sweat ran down his brow. In a great effort, he straightened up and was on his feet in one go, but the great bar of iron that he rested on was twisted and had taken the form of a bow. Balafase sang, Take your bow, Simbon, take your bow and let us go. Take your bow, Sogolon Jatta. When Sogolon saw her son standing, she stood dumb for a moment. Then suddenly she sang these words of thanks to God, who had given her the use of her leg, his legs. O oh day, what a beautiful day. O oh day, day of joy. Allah Almighty, you have never created a finer day. Today my son is going to walk. Sogolon Jata, supported by the enormous rod, was sweating profusely. Balafase's song had alerted the whole palace, and people came running to see what had happened. Each stood bewildered before Sogolon's son. The queen rushed, and when she, she saw Jata standing, she trembled, head to foot. After recovering his breath, Sogolon's son dropped the bar, and the crowd stood to one side. His first steps were the steps of a giant. Balafase fell into step, and pointing his finger at Jata, said, Make room, make room, the lion has walked. Hide the antelopes, get out of his way. Behind Niani there was a young baobab tree and it was there that the children of the town came to pick leaves up for their mothers. With all his might, the son of Sogolon tore up the tree and put it on his shoulders and went back to his mother. He threw the tree in front of the hut and said, Mother, here are some baobab leaves for you. From henceforth, it will be outside of your house, but the woman of Niani will come to stock up. Jazakallah if you've made it this far, I just want to remind you about how these places where these stories are told exist today. Mali is named for the empire of Mali, and there's a lot of suffering that's happening. There's a huge tragedy. Over 100 people were killed just a few weeks ago. It didn't get anywhere near as much attention as what happened in New Zealand. As we are reminded of Islamic stories from around the world, let's be reminded of what's happening in those places today, inshallah. Make dua for them, pray for them, and give to charities if we can. Jazakallah khair.